Uh, We've been working our way through a series in John's Gospel and probably this will be the final part of this series before we step into next week is kick-off. So it's sleep in Sunday next week. Okay, we've across our six congregations, we have uh, no services, although I do think Glenmore might be running a, a, a breakfast. If you want a free breakfast, you know where to go. Let's all just turn up $400 at Glenmore. And, um, but, but next week is uh, a morning off. Have breakfast with your family, uh, enjoy yourself. And then we gather together at 4 o'clock at Green Bay, where I understand somewhere in the region we are baptising 30 people coming. um, So it's exciting exciting and what God's going to be doing. We always love kick-off. There'll be food there. There'll be um, uh, activities for the kids on the beach. And, of course, uh, all of our campuses, both south uh, Creekside, Glenmore, uh, Pursuit, Saturday night, Sunday morning. We will be all gathering there and there's a bus leaving here. For those of you who don't want to drive, uh, we've got buses arrived to ship you in and ship you out. Um, I think it comes in at 3.30 the bus leaves or something like that. Ask Pastor Steve, he is the fountain of all knowledge. Uh, he's out there and he will, he will be able to uh, let you know all about that. Well, we've been on a journey through John's Gospel. And even for me personally, what a rich journey this has been. It has been a journey looking at the, the complexity and the understanding, the beauty of the great uh, John's Gospel as we've looked and worked from chapter 11 through to chapter 15. Of course, we started off our story, if you remember, because all of you, we started off our story with Lazarus. And the whole point of that God is in the delay, and the reason delays happen in our life is to strengthen our faith and to build us up. And when we weep, he weeps. When we shudder, he shudders. We then moved on to the Jewish outrage because of the rising of the dead of Lazarus and then the decision to assassinate Jesus and indeed Lazarus. But we had the beautiful meal at Simon's, the leper's house, where Mary breaks open the perfume and she brings her most treasured gift to, um, to Christ. Breaks it over. It was costly, it was a treasure, and it was what she possessed. And the whole house was filled with the fragrance. And although we live with delay, what we need to learn to do is bring our best to Jesus. And we all have the gift, we all have the treasure, we all have what God has for us. But we have to be willing to break our lives open and say, Lord Jesus, I bring the best to you. I bring it to you. I'm going to live my life for you because I love you and because I care for you. That was the second sermon. We then looked at the two kingdoms. The fact that Alexander the Great died at the same age as Jesus Christ, but he ruled with terror. He ruled with slavery. Where he went, he brought slavery. Where Jesus Christ arrives, he always brings freedom. Always brings freedom. Loves to bring freedom. And we talked about how he always rules through the principles of the cross and he moved towards his death. He was again deeply troubled because he knew that the infinite Christ 
as it were, came into humanity and there was willing to deal with the problem of sin by Jesus Christ dying upon the cross. And just as the serpent was lifted up, so he will draw all men unto him. And we had that lovely imagery that we've all been bitten with the poison of sin and death. But in the same way, in Numbers chapter 21, when they lifted the serpent up after rebellion in the camp, that anybody who looked at the bronze serpent would be instantly healed from the poison. And it's the same in our lives. That whenever we look at the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross, the poison in our lives is taken away. And I don't know what poison you've got, but Jesus takes away our poison. He takes away and brings us freedom. That was sermon number three. We then thought and experienced the most beautiful story of we are all called to pick up our towel. That there we experienced the, the, the journey of Christ stepping down from the table. And as Christ stepped down from the table... He took hold of the towel. He took hold of the bowl and poured himself out. And then, having washed their feet, he returned to his place. In that very small verse, we see the story of of the mission of God. That he stepped down from above. And as he stepped down, he came into this world. He took on the towel of the mission of God. He poured himself out so that we could be clean. And when it was finished, he returned on the day of ascension to God the Father, crowned in glory in heaven. He is our Lion of the tribe of Judah. And that was our number four. Number five, we looked at the life of Judas, a radical love. That Christianity is about a radical love. That even in the final moments of Judas' decision, Christ reached out to him in five ways. He invited him. He spoke about how all of them were clean, but yet one is not uh, uh, clean, has not had a bath. He quoted Psalm 41, verse 9, the story of the betrayal by the dipping of the bread from, um, from the story of David and Absalom, of course. He then invited him to sit on the left-hand side, which is a place of honor, where he could talk to him intimately. He then invited him to dip the bread, which was a sign of honor and love, and connected to that beautiful story in Ruth chapter 2, verse 14, about Boaz and about Ruth, and Boaz saying, come and sit next to me and dip your bread, because you are a refugee, you are a widow, you are penniless, but I am your king's man redeemer, and I have come come to free you. And the relentless love of God, which the Romans called witchcraft, because how could Romans, Greeks, Syrians, Egyptians, how could slaves and free men, how could citizens and women and children all gather around a table and love each other and care for each other when what the Romans love more than anything is division and pain. But Christ does not bring division and pain. Christ brings healing and hope. And it is not witchcraft. It is the blood of Jesus that cleanses us all. He comes and makes that move in our lives. And so we are called, each one of us, to radical love. 
The Jews had so diluted love thy neighbor that it became irrelevant to something like love the person you really like. But Jesus commanded us that we love one another. And we are called to a radical love, a love that is inclusive. Six, we looked at the life of Peter, his mighty plunge from where he was arrogant, from where he was able to say in his presumption, I will never betray you, and yet he plunged down. And when he plunged down, boy, but the Lord had a plan of perfection for him. And after the power of the Holy Spirit came, and the power of the Holy Spirit changes every one of our lives, you may have plunged in life. You may have failed in life. You may put your trust in your presumption of your ability and your strength. But I can tell you this, that when you plunge, there is a redeemer that can lift you up from the very pit. And he is the one that can fill you with power. And he can give you that second chance, that new beginning, that reset button in your life. He'll give it to you. So we looked in chapter 6. Sermon 6 about that. Sermon 7. Let not your heart be troubled. Love that. Why? Because in my Father's house are many rooms. I go now and I prepare you. That we live with trouble, we live with difficulty, we live for pain, but we know that he promises that he will be with you today in your shuddering, in your worry, in your pain, in your trouble. And he will also be with you in the future and he will also be with you when the trumpet sounds and the dead will rise and Christ returns and he will take away all weeping and All pain and all agony will be no more. And last week, we've had quite a journey in John. Last week, we talked about the beauty of abiding and remaining in Christ so that we bear fruit, love and joy. We bear that fruit within our lives. We understand that he wants to move in our character. He wants to be with us. He wants to strengthen us. Love and joy and peace. How he wants to fill us with those beautiful that work of his spirit, that it character is king, that we're called to abide. And when we abide, we're changed. And when we abide, we experience the presence of the Holy Spirit. And when we abide, our prayer life changes. And when we abide, we feel the hand of God at close to us as he, as yes, he prunes us. But when we are pruned... There is nothing closer than Jesus than we are being pruned. It is painful. It is difficult. It is a challenge. But in the middle of that, that kindness and patience and goodness comes. That faithfulness comes. He comes and that gentleness and that self-control. He desires to bear fruit in your life. And fruit comes by that intimacy. So we're going to finish our series before kick-off next week. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. 
We've talked about this verse before. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. If last week's sermon was about how we connect to the vine, and we understand that, that the Holy Spirit is the sap, and we understand that we want real fruit, we do not want Christmas decorations on our tree, but we want real fruit. We want fruit of the Spirit. We want fruit of God moving and working in our lives. And we understand all of that. And it's about our relationship with the Father, verses 1 to 11, is about that intimacy, that closeness, that prayer life, that abiding, that, that closeness that comes in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Then verses here... 12 to 17, deal with the relationship with the branches and with each other. See, not only are we called to be in a relationship with, with the Lord, but we are called to be in relationship with each other. And here Jesus talks about how it, he changes about how the branches relate to each other. Because we are all organically connected in the body of Christ. And I've preached many times, I love the body of Christ. I have loved the church. I love the church. I don't want to walk away from the church. The church was the greatest gift for me when I gave my life to Jesus. It was a home. It was a place of healing. It was a place of freedom. It was a place of, of discipleship. Church is God's idea, not my idea. But we all have to work together within this, this journey. And I know sometimes you look around and think, really? But greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friend. The way that the branches interact with each other is directly connected to us being able to live this command that we love others as I have loved you. Love each other as I have loved you. And that is a great journey that we embark on within the life of the vine. That we look around with each other, we care for each other, we love each other, we are interested in each other. Have you noticed how little things can separate people? Have you noticed how a fence can separate people? Have you noticed the way that we can spin on one thing and one idea? And as this spins, it starts to affect the way that we are thinking. We become offended. We become negative. We become suspicious. But the antidote and the power to that is the love of God flowing through our lives. I can choose to love everybody I meet. I can choose to respond in love. I can choose to respond in that way. There's an old story about two twins. If you don't know and you're new, I have twins. So I love stories about twins. Twin girls, they're 20 years old and they're at university. So, you know, I need your prayers. <laughs> I do, uh, for many reasons. But... The story is about two twin boys. They grew up together. They loved each other. Their father ran a store. And as they, he ran this store, he got older. He trained the boys. They worked together. They were comrades, cooperation, and they loved each other. Once the father passed away, they made the store larger, and then they ran it together. 
And one particular day, there was a guest and, and uh, people within the store, and um, the one brother took a dollar that, uh, that he'd been given and popped it down on the desk and thought, I'll come back and put it in the till and work it through. I'll just walk these people out. So he walked them out. He said goodbye to them. Thank you so much. And then he forgot for a few minutes about the dollar bill. He went back and the dollar bill was gone. So he said to his brother, brother, have you got that dollar bill? His brother said, what dollar bill? You know, the dollar bill on the side. I haven't got the dollar bill. Surely you've got the dollar bill. I haven't got the dollar bill. His brother knew to leave it. Sometimes you need to leave something. So after a while, he mentioned it again. In that little tone that only siblings can mention in a certain way when you know what they're saying, right? Go on, the dollar bill. I haven't got the dollar bill. An argument burst out about this dollar bill. And they were arguing. And as they argued and argued, finally, the one brother said, I'm sick of this. I haven't got the dollar bill. Well, one week moved into two weeks, moved into a month. They wouldn't leave it. The brothers were bickering. It was all about the dollar bill. They had a massive breakup. And suddenly, their relationship dissolved over the dollar bill. Petty, isn't it? It got so bad that they divided the store in half. So on one half was one brother, one twin. On the other half was another brother, another twin. It's there. And not only that, as they started to do that, they decided eventually it became so bad, they split the business and they got two shops just about next door to each other, competing with each other and splitting the community. 20 years went by, bickering, competing, arguing. So one day a car pulled up. A man walked in, and as this man walked in, he said, um, this shop, is the owner here? And the one twin said, yes, it's, it's me. Hmm. Have you been here? I've been here all my life. Ah, then I need to talk to you. He said, 20 years ago, I was wandering I was lost, I was hungry, I'd been raised in a Christian home, but I'd hit hard times, and I wandered, I got off a, a train, I wandered down the back streets, I was so hungry, I'd never done this before, and I came to your sh back of your shop door, I looked in and I watched everybody walk away, and I stepped in, and I picked up a dollar bill, I put it in my pocket, and I went away. It's a true story. And I've just come knowing that this has so bothered me for 20 years that I want to come and confess this, make amends, pay it back, and any else I need to pay back for this, this act that I did. The one twin just started to cry. He said, will you go next door and tell the man next door in that shop who looks like me, that story. Shocking. Petty. Families split. Churches split. People 
fall out, people get offended, people don't talk to each other, and this is how it happens. And of course the story illustrates the danger that within the vine, within the branches, that we can be so easily hurt, we can be so easily offended, we can be so easily create scenarios in our mind, but the antidote to the toxic poison of this kind of offence is to live by this verse. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. The Lord Jesus Christ calls us not to live with offence, not to live with anger, not to live with bitterness, but to, to let go of anger, let go of bitterness and allow Christ's love to flow through every one of us. So many of us are in danger to hold on because of something so simple. A dollar bill. To hold on to that dollar bill. But never, never let go of it. We see this. We see this with mistrust. We see this with supposition about creating scenarios and ideas about people. We see these things going on. All of this kind of thing we create in our minds. We create in our brains. We start to think. And yet what, what the Lord really wants is that he wants us to be true friends with one another. He wants us to care. You know, the world has an epidemic and the world needs friends. And the world's epidemic is loneliness is that loneliness exists. Loneliness is like an epidemic that is spreading through the world. And we need communities. In recent research, it shows that at 67% of Americans at some point have said they feel profoundly lonely. That 64% of those who are widowed said they feel so profoundly lonely. The United Methodists in America set up a, a line that if you felt lonely to call this number, in three months they had 18,000 calls and the one greatest prayer request was that people felt alone, they felt lost, they felt in, as if they felt lonely within their lives. And yet the body of Christ is that we are the vine. We're not only connected to Jesus, but we are the branches and we are organically connected to each other. And there is a danger that we become driven by suspicion, driven by mistrust, driven by supposition. But what we need to be driven through our veins of our life is love, is joy, is peace, is God's presence, is God's power flowing through us. Don't let the dollar bill wreck your life. Because too many lives have been wrecked by a little dollar bill within our lives when we're family. Jesus says, do this. See, for friendship to really work, what Jesus understands is that real friendship works out of something called sacrifice. In verse 12 and verse 13, we see that greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friend. And what we have to be willing to realize and to do is that if we're going to work within the body of Christ, excuse me, 
we're going to work within the body of Christ, we have to be willing to sacrifice, to care for one another, to be interested in one another. It is a way that we care and we sacrifice because greater love has no man. And that when we interact with each other, there is always a sacrifice. That's what the story of the Good Samaritan's about. That we do not step over, but we get down and we help people. We care for them. We don't ignore them. We don't walk on the other side of the road, but we are willing. That's what Jesus was showing us in the sermon about Judas. That we, we continually believe the best, that God's love is unstoppable. And even those we consider unreachable can be reachable by the power of the anointing of the gospel within our lives. And when we interact together, we realize that we cannot live with offense because offense poisons us. And when we serve each other, we know that true Christian friendship is about sacrifice. And it's not always comfortable. And sometimes it hurts. And sometimes it's difficult. But it's about sacrifice as well. And we realize that, that we are together in this. And we have a mutuality together. That we're in this together. We have the same goal. We have the same heart. We have the same outlook. We are connected together within the vine. Because we are part of the kingdom of God. And we're part of the, of the, of the church of Christ. Part of the bride. And what God calls us to do. He calls us to let go of our offense. He calls us to let the love of God flow through our veins and he calls us to sacrifice to one another. It's a high calling that we love one another, that we care for one another, that we sacrifice to one another. Like David and Jonathan, it says in, in 1 Samuel 8, verses 1, 2, and 3, that he, he came to him and they became connected, not just at a very deep soul level, that they understood that they had a mission together in God. And we are connected at a vine level, that we have a mission from God together to move forward. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. See, a servant had no status. A servant did not know the master's business. A servant was like a slave, had no value. Literally an object that would be part of the household would be a slave. But Jesus says, friendship is about intimacy. It's about closeness. It's about lingering. It's about caring. It's about being interested. And Christian friendship is modeled in Christ because Christ is talking about that I share things with you. You see, a, 
A person that owns a company doesn't share the details with their staff about all that is going on. But Jesus is saying, I'm, I'm your friend. I have come close to you. I will be with you. I, I share things with you and I love you. And I want the best for you. And I want you to succeed. I want you to be blessed. I want you to grow. I want you to develop. I want you to be fruitful, as it goes on to say. And so what these verses do for us, they they draw a beautiful picture of what true Jesus friendship is like. Jesus' friendship is a friendship that is built on sacrifice. And you and I know that being friends with one another is a sacrifice. It's hard, but we're willing to do that. We're willing to connect together. We're willing to love each other. We're not willing to let the dollar bill get in our way. The true friendship is built on a mutual sense of togetherness that we are connected not just because we attend church, but we're connected at a deeper soul level, if you like. A connection that, that Paul talked about Timothy, about that I, he's one who is with us. He's one that is with us. He, he, we have a connection and he will come to you. Uh, Philippi, and he will bring goodness, and I can trust him absolutely. There's a mutuality about what Jesus is teaching, and there's an openness and a belief that we are friends, and as he is friends, and that we believe the very best for each other, and we bless each other, we pray for each other, and we believe that in Christian friendship, We are cheering each other on and saying, I believe that God can work, that God can move, that God God can do a remarkable thing in your life. And each one of us needs friends like this. And if you don't have friends like this, each one of us needs to be willing Each one of us needs to be willing to say, I'm going to be that friend. I'm going to be sacrificial. Go the extra. I am going to be that friend. I am going because we've got shared values. And I'm going to be that friend because I believe. I believe in the fruitfulness of your life. I believe that you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whether you ask in my name, the Father will give you. You see, we've got to believe in each other, that we believe that each other can be fruitful within the branches of the vine. Look at the person next to you. Look at the person around you. Look at what they've been through. But believe that God has not finished working in their branches. And that they too can be fruitful. That they too can keep growing. That each one of us, we're not the finished article. Amen? Uh, As you can see, God is at work. What 
When I worked in Belfast, near the Shankill Road, where for years bombs had gone off, and I took, preached at an event, and there were probably, I don't know, 3,000 teenagers. We went across Belfast. The Good Friday Agreement had been signed, but things were still tense. And my job was to lead a team to a graveyard, and the man said, we're going to clean the graveyard, but this is unusual because in this part of Belfast, there's the Catholics that are are buried on this side and the Protestants are buried on that side and there is a wall 40 foot feet that separates the two of them. So I got there with all the kids and we were like gardening and tidying up graves and doing stuff and I was encouraging them to work along and we were talking to people. And after a while I said to the organiser. I said, where's the 40-foot wall? I expected a 40-foot wall. You know. Oh, the wall doesn't go up. The wall's in the ground and it goes down. Because when they built the graveyard, even in death, the bitterness, the hatred, the resentment, the deep wounds, that even in death, in the resurrection, there would be a wall that would separate the two together. Whether it's a dollar bill, or whether it is a 40-foot wall that we build in our hearts towards people, this is not the way of the vine. The way of the branches is to believe for fruitfulness with each other. The best of each other. To bless each other. To encourage each other. And to believe for each other. So no building of walls. 